0: All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. This is State of the Braves. I'm George McNair. And guys, the last two days of this offseason, you know, I think some people were complaining about there not being much action. Well, suddenly in two days, there's been a ton of action uh, around baseball, but especially with the Braves, uh, with moves that Alex Anthopoulos and his office have made. It has just been a whirlwind. Uh, You feel like your eyes are kind of rolling back into your head because you're trying to keep up with all of um, the, the changes to the Braves roster. And it's a lot of people leaving. Uh, It's been a wild ride of emotions as the Braves have made a lot of roster decisions over these last two days. Um, One quarter of the Braves 40 man roster is gone. uh, Leaving the Braves with only 30 guys on the, on the 40 man rosters. That's kind of crazy to think about. And with some of these guys, you know, it's guys you're particularly attached to. So it's just a mix uh, mix of emotions, sadness, uh, confusion on a couple parts of like, what is this move about? And excitement as well, because you feel like a lot of these moves, um, you know, just having 30 guys on the 40-man roster is probably setting up uh, some additions, right? Some additions to the roster, and you just start getting excited about that because the Braves have been linked to a lot of big names. So so yes, excitement for sure, but sadness as well as as we bid a fond farewell to a couple of fan favorites, particularly Michael Soroka and Kyle Wright. And I just want to take a minute on both of those guys. So of course, Kyle Wright, we remember from the 2021 World Series, he was a first round pick by the Braves before that. In 2021, he, he spent all year in AAA and then he uh, is part of the bullpen for the Braves in the World Series. He comes in to uh, to a game and basically wins it for him. I mean, pitches uh, over four great relief innings. The Braves end up winning that game. Of course, the Braves end up winning the World Series. So Kyle Wright um, has a, a World Series ring out of that and certainly earned it by that performance. And then he goes into 2022 and just, Uh, is one of the best pitchers in baseball, wins over 20 games. But nothing's gone right for Kyle Wright since then um, with these shoulder injuries. Uh, 2023 was a lost season, and then he shut down as the Braves enter the postseason. And, um, you know, probably that shoulder injury is the number one reason he is not with the Braves anymore. We'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. And then, of course, Michael Soroka and all of the difficulties uh, that he struggled with, with two Achilles tears, trying to come back, trying to change the delivery uh, to fix those issues. Uh, You you just had a lot of hope going into 2023 that he would bounce back and become that old guy that we we saw in 2019. And it just didn't work right. And uh, it doesn't mean it won't work, that he won't figure it out. But basically, time just kind of ran out on his opportunities with the Braves um, as he is sent to the White Sox in a, in a larger deal that included a lot more guys. So we're going to dive into both of these, these deals. There's some confusion. You know, I, I mentioned sadness, confusion, and, and excitement are, are my emotions right now. The confusion is about Kyle Wright. Um, I think I might know what this is about, uh, but the deal on the surface is the oddest of um, the deals and the, the moves that the Braves made over these last two days. Uh, so I'm going to attempt to take a stab at what's happening with that. And then excitement, right? Excitement that uh, these moves clearing the, the 40 man roster to only 30 guys must mean that Alex Anthopoulos is going to do some big things in the weeks ahead. So that, I mean, that is exciting and uh, it's part of the off season that really gets your juices flowing. And, um, so it's it's worth considering as well. So, guys, we are going to commit most of this episode to this roster insanity that's happening um, and that has happened over the last couple of days for the Braves. But before we get, get any deeper into that, I just want to mention, uh, and it is big Braves news, that Ronald Acuna Jr. has won the National League MVP award, and he did so unanimously, which is so awesome. You know, it's just kind of funny. And... And a lot of times you, you kind of have to remind yourselves that a lot of these national reporters who get on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, they, they write their articles. And so many articles were written that Mookie Betts deserved to win the MVP award, or that, you know, this was a 50 50 choice, or that sort of thing. And then ultimately, Ronald Acuna ends up winning this award unanimously. And it, it now, number one, you're just happy for Ronald, but it also makes me think, what were these guys writing about just a couple months ago? Did they really mean what they were writing? Um or or what? So anyways, it it um it seems right that Ronald Acuna should win this award unanimously. He did things that no one, no other player in baseball has ever done, uh 40 seventy season, uh, of course, and you know, you guys all know how amazing Ronald was. This year, we're we're very happy that Ronald Acuna is a brave and, and a brave for uh, quite a few years to come. Right, we we all know he deserved um, what he uh, what he earned in this award this year. But it's amazing that he actually underperformed his metrics this season. He was basically unlucky uh, this year. Uh, the, a guy who barrels the ball more than any other player, uh, and um, he really should have had an even higher average, right uh, than he did this year. I think he ended with a 338 average. I mean, can you imagine Ronald's numbers if he hit 350 or 360, which would have been more in line with uh, his metrics. So you know his, I think probably one of the more impressive things he did coming off of this knee injury was how much work he put into uh, improving his swing that much more right his average I never thought Ronald Acuña would be the type of guy to hit 3 in the 330s for a season I mean maybe 300 right but you really saw Acuña more as that pure home run uh, and speed guy not necessarily a high average guy but he he just became a a totally um, complete hitter right in every way and for Acuña it makes a lot of sense to occasionally take take the ball the other way and just get on base because of that speed. And, of course, he was on base so much, it opened up the door for him to steal 70-plus bases. And you don't see him slowing down anytime soon, too, right? If if he were to come in in 2024 and have better um, better luck with balls in play, uh, he could actually outperform what he did in 2023. I mean, there's actually room for that, uh, and that's how crazy talented he is. And, uh, man, it, he is in the prime of, uh, of his playing career, and he's doing it for the Braves, that is uh, something to be very, very excited about. It's also a reminder that, you know, Ronald had to go through some hard times with that knee injury. He's talked about it a lot, how he, he doubted if he could ever come back and be the same explosive player that he was in the past. He worked so hard to get back, and he was so motivated to do so. And it's just a reminder that, you know i don't want to get too philosophical here but you know when you go through some hard things it can really refine you as a person and um i mean specifically here with ronald a baseball player i don't think ronald acuña would have had this type of historic season without the knee injury right uh, he would he would have been a great player regardless right he never gets hurt he never experiences that stuff he his talent would have carried him through a lot of great seasons but i think this just brought him to another level Of uh, maturity and um, of focus and dedication. And you just see the type of player he is now. I mean, he's currently back home playing in the Venezuelan League. Uh, The guy loves baseball. And I think, um, you know, there are certainly non Braves fans out there who probably have a hard time with Acuna. And, you know, he he comes across as he's brash, right? And he's going to strut on a home run and that sort of thing. But something you cannot Uh, doubt about ronda Cunha is he absolutely loves to play the game of baseball and he plays the game with joy and uh, that's a really cool thing all right guys so let's dive into these moves that the braves have recently made um in these last just two days of the off season so the very first move let me just recount all of the moves uh together and then we will um We'll go one by one and dive a little deeper. So the first move was the Braves traded Michael Soroka, Nikki Lopez, Jared Schuster, Braden Shoemake, and Riley Goins uh, to the White Sox for left-handed reliever Aaron Bummer. Uh, move number two, Kyle Wright was traded to the Royals for right-handed pitcher Jackson Coar. Uh, move number three, and I'm not necessarily doing these in order of how they happen, but anyways, rule, uh, move number three, The Braves non-tendered, which basically means cut, seven players from their 40-man roster to include Yanni Chirinos, Colby Allard, Penn Murphy, Angel Perdomo, Michael Tonkin, Chadwick Tromp, and Luke Williams. And then move number four, the Braves traded reliever Nick Anderson to the Royals for cash. So all told, these moves leave the Braves, like I said, with only 30 guys on their 40-man roster, which is kind of amazing to think about. Uh, So let me give you some big-picture takeaways from these moves, and then, like I said, we'll dive into the specifics. Uh, So, you know, the first thing I think these moves create is extreme roster flexibility for Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, This, I think, means that big moves could be coming for the Braves in the weeks to come. Uh, right Alex can make a move at any time without any more changes to the 40 man roster, uh, whether this is through trade or uh, signing multiple free agents. Um, he's also removing guys with injuries, um, quad A type players, guys who, you know, maybe have had some success in the minors but have never had major league success. And with with moving these guys, he is dumping some money. None of them are making huge money. But at least enough to um, you know it all adds up when you when you talk about moving these this number of players. Uh, so the other thing that I think about with these moves is um, is there a big deal in place already? I really wonder if there either might be a trade possible that's gonna that's gonna come down very soon, or that there might be uh, some talks pretty far down the road in place with some of these free agents that the Braves have been talking about, right? So if if Anthopoulos knows he's going to make a move, especially a, a trade with multiple players involved, it's obviously very nice to clear as many roster spots as possible ahead of time. So that might be another signal of something that's coming. Uh, the last takeaway that I have with these moves is specific to Vaughn Grissom. So I, you know, I told you guys in a couple a couple episodes ago, I I would like to see the Braves uh, put Grissom in left field, keep him, uh, and kind of be dedicated to a young, talented player in Vaughn Grissom. And at least right now, I think that's what these moves signal. Right, the Braves currently have no other good left field options, uh, but by trading Nicky Lopez, they have also basically they have no other infield depth close to the major leagues and not only do they move nikki lopez but they move brayden Schumake, who was the triple a shortstop so it doesn't guarantee that von grissom is the guy um in left field and and being utilized as util- your utility backup infielder but right now it sure looks like they would lean on him for that okay guys Let's uh, let's move into this first big move, this first trade that the Braves made, and they made it with the White Sox. So again, Michael Soroka, Nicky Lopez, Jared Schuster, Braden Shoemake, and Riley Goins traded to the White Sox for reliever, left-handed reliever Aaron Bummer. So Bummer himself, the the jokes write themselves that Michael Soroka leaving the Braves and he's traded for a guy named Bummer, uh, but. Um anyways, Bummer's now a brave, so we have to be a fan of his. Uh Bummer wasn't good in 2023. If you're looking just strictly at the numbers of okay, who did the Braves get here? And then you look at his 2023 numbers, it's ugly. I mean, this is an over over a six ERA in 2023. So on the surface, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But there's a couple of butts uh with with Bummer and um and the type of player he is. He has a career 3.84 ERA, which isn't bad. Um, And he has more than a strikeout per inning for his career. He's an extreme ground ball pitcher. Uh, So, you know, a guy who strikes out a lot of guys and causes most guys to, uh, you know, bury the ball in the dirt, that's a good pitcher, right? He does have some control issues, so he will walk some guys, but he typically can get out of jams. Um, now again, he had an ERA over six last year, but he was on a very bad White Sox team with a very bad infield defense and notably kind of a cancerous clubhouse. So it's hard to know how that impacts guys performance wise, but again, bad defense behind a guy who, uh, you know, is causing a lot of ground balls. Probably a lot of those get through, uh, balls that are not caught that should be. And maybe just just some general bad luck for Bummer and his numbers kind of go off the rails. Um, so, again, you put a really good infield defense behind Aaron Bummer, then maybe his numbers uh, just magically bounce back to where they've been throughout his career. Uh, it's not guaranteed, of course, that that's going to happen, but I'm sure that's part of the hope for the Braves. His contract is very team-friendly. Uh, in part because it's very flexible. So he will make $5.5 million next year, uh, which is fine for a decent reliever if he bounces back. Um, And then he has club options for over $7 million over the next two seasons. Um, So again, an option in 2025 and then another option in 2026. If he doesn't have a good year this year, right? you can basically wave goodbye to him. I think you have to give him about a million dollars um, to go, but but you know that is not a huge price to pay. So there's not a lot of um of risk here to take on Bummer, and you potentially have three years of control for him. So why make this trade in general? Well, it number one, it has to be understood that other than Goins, who's like a lower level minor league pitcher, uh, all these other guys were all likely to be DFA'd, meaning cut um, at the deadline. Uh, if they had not been traded. So uh, it basically moves guys that were the Braves would have had to have released without getting anything in return. Uh, This way they get bummer and it ends up saving the Braves probably about two million dollars with these guys that moved to the White Sox. So uh, let's get a little more specific with a couple of these guys. Why trade? Michael Soroka. So you guys know I'm a huge Soroka fan. I've been just rooting for him and for his bounce back to happen. It unfortunately really has not happened the way we all had hoped. Of course that would have benefited Atlanta tremendously, especially with their pitching issues uh and, and losing, you know, Kyle Wright and his his shoulder stuff and all that. So yeah, as much as we were all rooting rooting for Soroka. Uh, if they had brought him back and he hadn't won a roster spot in spring training, um, he he could have simply refused uh, to go to Triple A, and the Braves would have had to have released him for nothing. Um, so obviously they didn't want to do that. They probably just foresaw him not getting much of a shot. Um, I think that probably tells you all you need to know about the Braves wanting to add another starter in the offseason and the fact that the other guys they have coming back, they're pretty sold on being in the rotation. So I just really hope that Michael Soroka gets uh, a fair shot in the White Sox rotation. The White Sox are in desperate need of big league pitching, so I think this is probably a perfect situation for him, at least in terms of an opportunity to pitch. I don't know that the White Sox organization is the absolute best one to go to, but I also think they might be trying to turn things around. I, I wonder, you know, by acquiring Soroka and Nicky Lopez, both of these guys are well-known, really solid guys in the clubhouse. Maybe the White Sox are also prioritizing uh, turning around their clubhouse a little bit and that, that bad culture that people uh, tend to know about. So yeah, so why trade Nicky Lopez? I mean, remember, guys, I preferred to keep Lopez and trade Arcia. I made that argument a couple episodes ago. So you know, I'm I'm also sad to see Nicky Lopez go. Obviously, the Braves are sold on Arcia and and choosing to go with him over Lopez. Um, so this seems like a, a vote of confidence in Arcia for sure. It does leave a bit of uh, infield depth weakness. For the Braves, so again, that might be something that they still have to uh, address in the offseason. But my take on this is I bet the White Sox um, required Lopez to make this trade happen. They have major infield issues. Like I already mentioned, they had really bad infield defense last year. And um, Nicky Lopez is one of the best defensive infielders in baseball. Can play shortstop or second base at a really high level. Uh, as we know. And we saw that uh, in his brief time with the Braves. So um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that they would want Nicky Lopez, even though he doesn't give them a ton offensively. He's an elite defensive infielder. Um, I also think uh, this may may signal, like I already mentioned, that the Braves are committing to Vaughn Grissom, right? Um, So he is kind of the only guy in terms of left field and in terms of infield depth. So if you got rid of him at this point, you'd have a lot more work to do to try to um, uh, to fill those two spots. All right, why trade Schuster and Shoemake? I mean, that's a little easier question to answer. Both had proved to be quad A type players. Uh, they're kind of, you know, Shoemake, or sorry, uh, Schuster was bouncing back and forth between AAA and the big league club multiple times this year, never really, Showed all that much in terms of great stuff when he was in Atlanta. Shoemate got a cup of coffee with the Braves, but he has been bad offensively pretty much his entire minor league career. He's probably a solid defensive shortstop, defensive infielder, but the Braves, I'm sure, just knew that he wasn't long term going to be the answer for them. So th- both these guys um, probably are going to get some kind of shot with the White Sox. You know, a bad big league club. Maybe they're able to latch on and and basically have big league careers with the White Sox, where that might not have happened with the Braves. All right, so that's that's the first move. Uh, again, you know, we wish all those guys well. Um, and Soroka and Nicky Lopez, especially, I think, just are super solid guys. Um, and I know Lopez really enjoyed his time, his brief time in Atlanta. He said as much quite often. So I I was really Thinking that he was going to be a really good fit for the Braves and their clubhouse, but you know they they move on to to the White Sox and we'll wish him well. All right, so the second move for the Braves was Kyle Wright traded to the Royals for right handed reliever Jackson Coar. So this one is the move that makes the least amount of sense on the surface uh, for the Braves. Uh, you have Kyle Wright, you know, top five um, pitcher. Uh, in, in the draft in which he was drafted, right? Uh, has all of these, you know, high expectations. It's kind of slow to get to Atlanta, but then, like I mentioned, in 2022, just has this remarkable season, wins over 20 games, and then uh, his shoulder started barking in the offseason after that, and, and just 2023 was a lost season for Kyle Wright. Um, and so what I, what I see with this move, you know, shoulder injuries for pitchers can be really, really scary, and they can take a long time to get better if the pitcher can bounce back. So I'm inferring that that Wright's shoulder injury must have been a little worse than we know about. I'm not saying that he's like his career's over or anything. If, if that were the case, I don't think the Royals would have taken him. But I think it probably is going to take him longer to get back to 100% than just the 2024 season so if he if the Braves felt like he was going to be kind of on the mend still uh, through part of 2025 at that point um, he's just kind of taking up space on your roster he, he would be a free agent after 2026 so you'd really only have one full year of Kyle Wright if everything went right um, for the Braves right so at this point I think they just decided a roster spot and taking a flyer on a Jackson Coar was uh, more beneficial to the organization than waiting on Kyle Wright to get healthy again. Uh, so who is Jackson Coar? He had a bad 2022 and 2023 in AAA and the major leagues. He kind of bounced back and forth with the Royals. Um, He was good in the minor leagues before that. He is a former first-round pick out of Florida, so he certainly has talent. Uh, He has one more minor league option remaining, so he has a little bit of flexibility there. Um, And he's definitely a buy-low guy, right? A guy with upside, but a guy who has not proven it at the major league level at all. Um, He has been moved to the bullpen over the last year, and his Um, His velocity definitely ticked up a bit, but I think there's still some things he's going to have to adjust to be effective consistently. He's never shown consistency at the major league level. Um, So moving Kyle Wright saves the Braves a little bit of money. You're talking about maybe uh, $1.4 million this year and then some more money in the next couple years. I don't think this was primarily a money decision. But um, I think it was more about a roster spot decision. It is strange to see Kyle Wright uh, go to another team, traded to another team for just a small uh, return like this. And I think that's probably what Braves fans were feeling. Um, we value him because we've seen Kyle Wright at his best. But when you add the shoulder injury to it and his his uh, contract situation, uh, it just I think the Braves got to the point where it didn't make sense to keep him. It may be if Wright had an additional year of control, things would be different. I would I would bet that would be the case. Uh, but again, I think this move tells me that the Braves are going to acquire a long term starter this offseason. Right? If you were still pretty desperate uh, for arms um, and you weren't going to uh, you weren't going to sign another starter then you might keep Kyle Wright for 2025 and 2026. But if you know you're going to go out and sign a a Sonny Gray or an Aaron Nola or fill in the blank, then Kyle Wright becomes much more expendable. All right, move number three, the Braves non-tendered seven guys from their 40-man roster. And this included Yanni Chirinos, Colby Allard, Penn Murphy, Angel Perdomo, Michael Tonkin, Chadwick Tromp, and Luke Williams. I saw a note on MLB trade rumors that the Braves cut a higher percentage of their um, of their guys than any other team in baseball. So again, this was this is pretty shocking. A couple of these players I think are especially surprising. Uh, the most surprising to me is Michael Tonkin. Um, I think, It's not shocking, but it's a little surprising given what Tonkin was able to do last season in the bullpen for the Braves. But I do think the other bullpen additions um, and re-signings that have already happened this offseason just simply meant that there wasn't a clear spot for Tonkin. If there was an injury or something else were to happen and the Braves brought Tonkin back on a really cheap deal, I mean, I could see that happening. Um, But for now, he is gone. Uh, Murphy and Perdomo are kind of interesting, too, because the Braves had just acquired these guys, um, basically claimed them off waivers, and uh, they looked like interesting long-term options. They're both injured for 2024, but um, maybe some other things have happened since then that just caused the Braves to go ahead and drop them as well. Chadwick Trump was the other guy who um, was of note for me. He served as the Braves' third catching option. He's uh, played mostly down at AAA over the last couple seasons. And, of course, you always want a decent third catching option uh, stocked away in AAA just in case of injury. And perhaps the rise of Drake Baldwin, um, who's a catching prospect who recently made it up to Gwinnett at the end of this season. Maybe his rise factors into this, or maybe the Braves simply have other plans at catcher. So don't know on that one. But, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of guys to release now. The other thing I don't want to dive too deep deeply in right now, but there are a couple other guys the Braves did not uh, release. If you want to call this the purge, right? Uh, a couple guys were not included in the purge: uh, Ian Anderson, Wascar, and Noah. Um, and when you compare those guys to um, to Kyle Wright, right? Ian Anderson will probably be back uh, at some point in twenty twenty four. Um, and even if he's not at full strength coming back from Tommy John, you would assume that the Braves would have two full healthy seasons of Ian Anderson in 2025 and 2026. Uh, and uh should be fully healthy coming into spring training coming off of Tommy John uh, this season. So the Braves are going to have multiple years of him as well. So I think that's the obvious difference between Kyle Wright and those other two guys. All right. The last move that's happened recently is Nick Anderson, reliever, right-handed reliever, was traded to the Royals for cash. So this move clears another spot on the forty-man and saves the Braves about two million dollars. So again, not huge, but when you put all these deals together, the Braves probably are saving a, a nice little chunk. Um, I haven't, you know, totaled it up, but but every little bit uh, might help, uh, especially when you're considering the budget. 2024. Not that the Braves are cash strapped, but it still matters. Uh, Anderson was really good for the Braves in the first half of 2023. You guys might remember that, but he was injured uh, the rest of the season and it was a shoulder injury. So again, we have another shoulder issue that is just iffy. Anderson has been um, has had to deal with injuries pretty much his entire career has been on and off the injured list. So this might be a guy that the Braves just knew they couldn't count on. And I think some of these roster moves are just simply about getting rid of guys who the Braves don't know uh, their value to keep them on the 40-man simply because they can't stay healthy. And Anderson fit into this. So again, he goes to the Royals, and um, just like with Tonkin, uh, the bullpen does seem pretty set. And Anderson, with this health question, maybe just didn't quite make the cut. All right, guys. So if your heads are not spinning yet, I mean, mine certainly has been a lot of moves, a lot of guys going out the door, not a lot of guys so far coming into the door. So I think, again, the rest of this offseason is going to be that next stage of guys being added, which is far more exciting than having to say goodbye to all these players. But with all this done, I mean, what I foresee is Alex setting the table for at least one and likely multiple major moves. I mean maybe not every one of them is going to be major there could be a couple smaller uh, smaller additions that are maybe you know bullpen depth or a, a backup infielder or that sort of thing but I think he's certainly setting the table for additions. Uh, I've already mentioned this a couple times in this episode but I think the number one thing that is very obvious with these moves is the Braves are definitely going to add a starter Uh, And whether that's free agency or through a trade, I think the Braves are definitely adding one big time starter. If I had to guess, uh, I would bet Aaron Nola is their number one target with Sonny Gray being uh, a number two. They're probably exploring both of these and talking with both of these guys uh, right now. Uh, You guys, if you remember my previous episodes, I prefer Sonny Gray a little bit, but I think for what Aaron Nola brings, I think the Braves might value him just a little more. He would—he's—he's he's younger than Sonny Gray by a number of years, um, and he is a guy that can pitch you—you know—deep into games, and he's a very reliable arm. The other thing with Nola, with Nola that I think is important to understand—if you look at his previous year, you know he had a four and a half ERA, but Nola is uh, has been pitching with one of the worst defenses behind him uh, in baseball for the last couple years, and he pitches in a very hitter-friendly park. So some of those numbers, I think, are skewed negatively towards him, and I wonder if coming to Atlanta might just naturally um, shift some things for him. He is a very good pitcher. I mean, we know we've, we've had to go against him multiple times over the years, so it would be very strange to see Aaron Nola in a Braves uniform, uh, but whether you're telling me the Braves are adding Aaron Nola or Sonny Gray, I would be very happy with either of those additions. The Braves have been linked to both of these guys, so I'm not, I'm not just making this up. I really do think that these two guys are their two primary options on the free agent market. There's some other trade um, trade targets that I've already mentioned in previous episodes that the Braves could definitely look at. Um, the other thing, another thing that I think all these moves say is that it seems like the Braves are setting themselves up for a trade with multiple players coming back, right? That's one reason why I think you would want to unload so many guys, have only 30 guys on your 40-man roster. Uh, they have created extreme roster flexibility. Uh, so that's really interesting because if they were to trade, um, you know, some valuable uh, prospects uh, that aren't on the 40 man, right? For a couple guys uh, who would be going back on your big league club, obviously you would need uh, space on that 40 man roster. So it seems like that's what they've done. doesn't mean they're definitely going to do it, but it sure seems like they have set it up that way. Uh, another thing all these moves seem to do are create a bit more clarity for the payroll moving forward, right? If you are committing big money to a guy, I think it's just helpful even if, with all these little moves to have really cl- a really clear understanding of what your payroll and what your budget is. And I think that, that has been set up really early this offseason for the Braves. Uh, another thing we don't know is how much are the Braves actually planning on spending. I mean, I think this is being underplayed right now. It's It is a big mystery as to, I mean, the Braves have said outright that they plan on increasing spending, but of course they're not telling us how much. And, you know, I assume it's like maybe $20 million increase, but maybe it's much more than that. And we just don't know. I mean, the Braves, maybe they go all in in a way that that, that they've never done in the past. And it's going to surprise us. So you guys might've seen the story a couple of days ago, um, that Warren Buffett, recently invested in the Braves. Of course, the Braves are the only publicly traded uh, major league team. And uh, Buffett, of course, is known for having very diverse and interesting investments. So this is kind of a fun story to talk about. Um, You know, does this have any actual impact on the Braves spending just because Warren Buffett invests several million dollars into the Braves? No, not necessarily. Um, It doesn't quite work that way. But at least not directly. Right. Uh, but it is a good sign that the Braves are a great investment and are, are on the upswing. The fact that Warren Buffett's investing in them, he's not going to throw his money into uh, something that's going downhill. He's probably not going to put his money into some of the other MLB clubs if they were publicly traded. But the Braves are a good investment. So th- that's a really cool thing. Um, you know, but what's the larger impact of the Braves being a publicly traded company? I just wonder if it might mean uh, a little more financial uh, freedom and flexibility for Liberty Media, media uh, the owners of the Braves, to increase spending by a larger amount than maybe what we fully expect them to do. Right, and the ultimate investment, the ultimate um, expense of this off season. You guys all know would be uh, signing Shohei Otani. I guarantee that you guys have seen um, social media blow up with that report that Otani was intrigued by joining the Braves. Uh, so for little Liberty Media, right, who put the Braves up as a publicly traded team, it just got me thinking. Otani means the overall value. If you added Otani right to the Braves, that would mean the overall value of the team would go through the roof. I mean if if Liberty media is looking to sell the Braves in the next few years, which a lot of people think that might happen, uh, maybe they would open their wallet in a special way for Otani um, and see and see that value go through the roof and then then you know they sell the team for uh, multiple billions of dollars. Um, so I'm gonna leave you guys with that idea with that thought. Uh, the next episode of the State of the Braves, I'm going to do a special episode as we are going to explore the crazy idea of Shohei Otani joining the Atlanta Braves. That's going to be a really fun one to talk about. I hope you guys tune in for that one. Uh, And I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves as the Braves roster looks very different today than it did just a couple days ago. Again, want to wish a special thank you and good luck to, uh, Michael Soroka and Kyle Wright, especially in their service to the Braves. They've, they've been, um, great Atlanta Braves and we do definitely wish them the best. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you soon.